right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We are on episode 37, I believe. I think I, I think I got that one correct. I looked at it and then I, I didn't even check. It was 37, funny. 37. Sweet. We are on episode 37. So <clears throat> we're actually going to talk about a couple different things. We're going to talk about hunting. But first, I wanted to uh, thank Brownells for the sponsorship of, you know, giving us cool, fun stuff to shoot. Um, thank you so much, Brownells. They are an awesome sponsor. There are will be coupon codes. Um, and I'll have a link to the EPS carry that I'm going to talk about briefly here for my thing uh we have jace uh from sport optics he's joining us today so where he's going to have he's going to be able to talk about a lot of hunting stuff with us because today's going to be our hunting podcast also and then uh i will have uh hopefully we will have uh malar and mike joining us tonight so malar is joining us but mike will definitely said he should show up around seven o'clock we're finally getting proof of life again I know, right? Well, the problem is he's got so many things going on, but I also wanted to plug Line One Gear. So if you actually go use the code hoodlum at Line One Gear, uh, that link will be in the description also. Uh, you can get 10% off anything he's got in the store. I'm Actually, I'm sorry, 15% off anything he's got in the store. So my code will be bumped up for a little while. I don't know how much longer, but you can go pay attention to him. Um, also, I wanted to tell everybody who comes here from YouTube, I'm sorry, I haven't been posting. I have two strikes on my channel and I have a week left before I can upload again. So if you head over to my Utreon, you'll see all my new videos, but, uh, my, my YouTube is, is definitely behind in videos. Um, so I apologize about that, but, uh, before we get into everything, um, I wanted to say thank you to Jace for coming on. Um, and I just kind of wanted to bounce off. We talked about this a little bit beforehand, but, uh, what do you think about the new enclosed emitter optics, like the Acro, the hollow suns, um, the, the stupid Steiner one, the, the MPS and the, the Romeo two, like what, what are all these enclosed emitter optics? Like, what is this meaning for, for optics in general? Sure. So I, I pretty much made my opinion on it and have stuck with it ever since that the Acro P2 came out and I first got my hands on it and played with it a little bit. Obviously, we all know that thing looks like a daggum bread box. It's, you know, it's huge. It's not the prettiest thing in the world. Oh, I love that, the way it looks. Really, really. See, I'm, I'm the same way. You know, I, 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 and I catch, uh, catch flack for it and I see people online making fun of it, but I, I think it looks pretty cool. Um, and I think it's very functional and I think it works extremely well. Um, obviously we saw that it had the issues with the battery life, which has since been remedied with the, um, the P2. Um, but back to your question, all these different models that the EPS carry and the 509T before that, and there are several others now, I truly believe that it's the future of, of pistol optics. As we've seen, it's pretty much became the norm on, uh, rifle optics, long gun mounted optics, and I'm, you know, I have no doubt that uh, pistol optics are are going to be following suit. I, I've seen it myself firsthand. I've done a lot of um, shooting uh, in, in the rain and in adverse conditions. Had issues with um, not like big issues to the point where I'm you know just SOL, but um, enough to where it's annoying if I'm using open emitter and a little bit of rain or anything gets in it. And with the closed emitter stuff, you you simply do not have that. Um, and I think with the, with the advancements in, in battery life and the, um, the really solid mounting options you're getting now, I think you're going to pretty much see the market go towards closed emitter red dots. I can completely agree with you. And as someone who has the 509T on my MMP 2.0, I absolutely 
love this optic. Like this is probably one of my favorite optics. I think I've got seven or 800 rounds through the optic, um, just shooting it at, and doing all sorts of stuff with it. And it is a fun optic to shoot through. Um, I don't use the multi-reticle system. I know there are so many people out there who are like, oh, you need the multi-reticle stuff. Like to me, I don't, I don't think on a pistol, I don't think the multi-reticle thing is, a, is, is as big of a deal as you, as you need, like for a rifle. I think the donut of death is, is a good thing. I don't necessarily like EOTech, but I do like the, um, I do like the Vortex. I do like the Holosense stuff that comes out with that. What I, what I will say, uh, I think the EPS carry definitely, um, got it correct for the 43 platform. Um, now I will, I'm going to, I'm going to preface this with saying this was kind of a pain in the ass for the Glock 43, uh, the Glock 43 X that I have. So it has an MOS cut. Um, the problem is, is that Glock, or I'm sorry, uh, not Glock, uh, hollow sun sent out screws for the, uh, EPS carry that were too long for the 43 X. And it literally were, it was insane. So I had to order a CNH precision plate for the 407K, which the 407K plate is the exact same footprint as the EPS carry. So the plates are interchangeable there. It's not, it's not, you know, it is, but it comes with these awesome screws that CNH Precision has. And I absolutely like their screws. They're in there. They work great. They're fantastic. So um, if you get the EPS carry and you're wondering why it can't fit on your Glock 43X or your 48, it is literally because Holosun shipped it with screws that are too long. If they would have shortened up the screws just a little bit, it would have been a much better thing, but they, they're they just too long. And I'm not going to go out and put screws on my grinding wheel and mess with all that crap. I'd rather just buy really good screws from a really good company like CNH Precision. So other than that, I'm going to go shoot this tomorrow. I have not had any rounds downrange with this optic on this gun. So I will go shoot this tomorrow and I will update you guys. And not this week that you're going to listen to this episode, but the week following, that's totally going to be a, a, a couple of things. Cause the week following, I'm going to use this gun in a, in a class that I have coming up at Brownells. I definitely want to use this. I have my both my shield magazines, my 20 rounder and my 15 rounder. I definitely want to use those. Um, I know how good I am with my MNP 2.0, but I'm definitely going to run this gun just to kind of run the tits out of it in this class. Cause it's a defensive pistol class and I really want to run it as hard as I possibly can. And I can't really think of a better place to run that at. So I'll let you guys know what happens after that. Another thing, um, Jace, have you ever, have you run into any problems? And if you do run into any problems with people who, who do have, who do get the EPS carry and they're putting it on their 43 uh, MOS, um, that would be something I would look out for uh, is um, just make sure that, you know, they're getting the right screws. Cause sometimes if you get the EPS carry, it is kind of a pain in the butt um, and it doesn't, and the MOS, the problem with the Glock is it doesn't really come with anything that's decent, you know, like the plate system, there's no plates that are good for the 43 X or the 48 um, other than CNH precision who makes really good plates. So I, I don't know if you have any, if you have anybody that has that same problem, just let them know that they're not the only ones CNH precision for 47 bucks can remedy your issue. So, okay. so. <laughs> and then uh, Malar is weird and runs iron sights. So Malar, what wonderful iron sights did you get from, Brunels. Okay. So you got, all right, sweet. So uh, we all know how iron sights work. Uh, do they look okay? Yeah, they look Did solid. you, did you zero them? They're centered. I, okay, have a push, you, I have a pusher. 
Did you zero them? What are you talking about? I just you still have to you still have to zero your iron sights, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know a whole lot about iron sights, but I know one thing: they're just as dumb as everything else, and they can be screwed up. So, if you have iron sights, you're putting them on your gun, and you're shooting like hard left or hard right or whatever. Uh, please understand: um, you still have to zero your iron sights on your pistol when you change them. So, I would double check that you made sure that everything is zeroed up and trued. And you should be okay. All right. That's and all. then and then throw them away and go get a dot. Um, <laughs> head on over to Sport Optics. Head on over to Brownells. Head on over to Mike. Mike actually has a cool store that we'll talk about here in a little bit. But head on over to one of those sites. Pick yourself up a brand new optic of any choice, uh, whether it be Chineseum or American made or made in Switzerland. Um, <laughs> Holidays are coming up. I know. Start, Holidays start are about those. <laughs> I mean, you got to start that shopping early. <clears throat> I know, right. especially if you're going to get an aim point. Those things are expensive. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, one of the things I wanted to discuss with you, Jace, is, is hunting. Uh, what Can you give us some good um, tips and tricks for hunting and optics to kind of go with what kind of guns you would use? So typically when I think of hunting, um, I think of... Uh, an old sporterized piece of shit Mauser uh, that somebody has put something on. Now I personally have better guns than that, but I know a lot of old dudes. I feel like this question is kind of broad. Like what, it is. what are we hunting? Mm -hmm. Like deer, turkey, what, what are we hunting here? What elk, you know, or. This is why uh, I have a co-host to answer yeah. the, to refine <laughs> these things. I'm the over analytical one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So just just kind of jumping right into it. Yes, the the idea of hunting is extremely broad and we could sit here for hours, days, months, years. So let's let's real quick before we go into this. I'm not talking about bow hunting, I'm not talking about handgun hunting. I'm specifically right. talking about rifle only hunting. There's handgun yeah. hunting and I think that falls into different things and certain states have straight wall cartridge laws other states don't care like in texas you can go hunt a buffalo with a 223 i'm pretty sure uh in uh in places like maryland i i think you have to have a straight wall cartridge over a certain caliber uh i don't know about i don't know about that um in i know in other states that's how it has to be now i have a 350 legend that's a straight wall cartridge rifle i still haven't shot it um it's a it's a really good savage savage axis, um, but my thing is is I don't necessarily know a whole lot about rifle hunting. I know the seasons are pretty narrow. I know they do vary state to state, so check your state and local laws. But kind of walk us through um, what it's like to get a tag um, in your state, and if people in your area and or our area, because you live close to me, you live in Louisiana, right? That is correct. I, I reside in Louisiana. I do 99% of my hunting in the state of Mississippi. We have some, some property there specifically that we use to, to hunt and, and camp on. So that's where most of my time in the woods and experience has, has came from. But um, Louisiana and Mississippi damn near mirror each other when it comes to um, regulations as well as the season itself. And you're absolutely right. Every state is going to be uh, a little different. <clears throat> For example, my fiance is from Ohio. 
and up there they they have a a pretty long bow season um and this is this is pretty much the case i would say in probably even the majority of states they have a, a decently long bow season you know generally starting sometime um in, in october that and it it varies but it can go from some sometime in january to sometimes even uh, in some states all the way to february and then the rifle season is extremely limited. It's usually only one week or 10 days, or it'll be one week early in the season, one week late in the season, some, some, something like that. They're just not, not much um, rifle at all. Whereas in Mississippi and Louisiana, um, <laughs> as much as I love hunting and I spend as much time, you know, doing it as I, as I can during the hunting season, you can, you really can make the argument that, that the hunting season is too long, particularly the gun season, because it, so bow season starts in the first day of October and then you, um, goes, goes the whole month of October and then the weekend before Thanksgiving. So, and it, this is kind of a, <laughs> a lot to remember and it bounces all over the place, but the weekend before Thanksgiving is when rifle season opens and rifle season goes all the way or gun season goes all the way until the end of the season, which is, um, the, the, the end of January. Um, <clears throat> and then it kind of bounces around between, uh, rifle and primitive weapon and, um, dogs, dog season, which is where you would primarily use, uh, shotguns, which that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing in itself. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the idea of, of dog season personally. Some, somebody out there will, will get mad at me hearing me say that, but, uh, it's, it's, Probably the same guy who owns a 12 gauge shotgun and thinks that that's a perfect gun for home defense, aka a FUD. Um, right. So let's. Uh, all right. So let's kind of refine this. So you've got your you've got your hunting rifle. You're in your you're in your state. Your local laws. You're doing stuff like that. Uh, can you give us a couple of uh, scenarios for optic setups? Like what? Um, I don't know in, in Texas here, you can kind of hunt with everything, but I think a lot of guys out here use like 30 out six or, or two forty three or, or something along that lines, probably a six millimeter or a six, five Creedmoor or something like that. They're probably hunting with now. So, um, I know a lot of people who hunt definitely buy like the three to nine scopes. And I'm, mm -hmm. I, I think this is atrocious for a scope. Like I, 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 every time I've ever looked through like a three to nine, like I've always just been like disappointed. Like this is, this is terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, my first real introduction with scopes was in the army. Uh, and it was, you know, the two and a half to 10 power stuff. So I, that's kind of how I feel about, um, you know, scopes. Like, you know, I kind of want something that that's not, you know, like a five to 25, but I also want something that, it, you know, bang for the buck. I don't need an LPVO, even though I'm pretty sure you could probably hunt with that. I'm pretty sure there are many people that do. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've, I've heard this and this is just a, this is my question actually. Um, do a lot of people prefer lower power scopes for hunting like a four power to a six power? Yes, absolutely. Myself included. Um, most, <clears throat> most people that are well, well versed in hunting that I know most of the customers that I deal with, you're generally going to want to stick to something with the low end of about three to four and then a high end of around 12 to 15, 18, if you want to get a little crazy, but that, that, that lower power is, is really what most people are going to benefit from. <clears throat> 
the lower power with the slightly larger objectives, say like a 50 millimeter objective, you're going to get some absolute fantastic light transmission. You're going to get a nice wide field of view. You know, generally you're going to want to start at that low power, get, get your sight picture and then, you know, cam in on whatever you're uh, going to, going to shoot at. And, um, you know, some people tend to think they need more than they really do. We, we talked about this a little bit the last time I was on, but you know, you don't, you don't need a five to 25 to, to, to shoot out to 250 yards, you know, generally probably, probably 80% of your average hunters shot is going to be inside of two to 250 yards, which again, that, that, 10 to 12 power is going to be more than enough to give uh, a point of reference. I've taken a poke out on a deer with a 12 power scope at 500 yards pretty comfortably. Um, well, that's not hard to do uh, with that kind of a scope, especially something in like a, a mid to higher tier <clears throat> glass quality. Like that's not, that is not hard to do now. Granted, if sure. you're, you know, if you're running like a primary arms optic, that's probably pretty difficult on their, on their budget series. Like their, their, what is that? Their silver series or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably a bit tough. Cause I've looked through some of those and you're like, mm, you know, glass quality is good, but it's not fantastic. Um, sure. You can see where optics kind of fall off, um, especially at distance. Like that's, that's kind of one of the things that, you know, we covered last time you can have a five to 25, but if, if the glass literally looks like shit, you won't be able to see very far. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's, there's a, there's a point to be made. Like I would rather spend money on a, on a lower power optic, um, than spend money on a higher power optic that doesn't have as good a glass quality. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. So I, that's why I'd say like, that's not that difficult. The difficult part is, and and let's you know let's let's call it what it is you're killing something you're going out there and you are killing something that has life that's that that is what it is now granted i'm not PETA. and i don't care what you do with you and your guns um i i am a meat eater i consume meat um but you're out there and you want to make an ethical kill you don't want the animal to suffer you don't want you don't want things like that to happen there is always a chance for you know you to screw up so i i i personally have an emphasis on ethics for hunting. Um, I don't necessarily, excuse me. I don't like the fact that people are out there shooting elk at 900 yards. Um, I, mm-hmm. you know, the end guys are doing it. Um, so my thing would be, you know, 400 and in with a decent scope, de- you know, decent rifle that, you know, is true that, you know, you're zero and, you know, things like that. What, what what is your take on that? Like what like can you give me that? Yeah, absolutely. I first off, I would say I completely agree with your take on it as well. What you're saying about it, I'm a thousand percent about you know being an ethical hunter. You want to use the proper ammunition and have a a, a good angle on the animal and take a good ethical shot. Um, you know, there's, there's gotta be a mutual respect between you and the animal. Yes, you are there to, to kill it. 
but um, just like you said, you, you don't you don't want it to suffer. You're you're there to to, to take it and, and sustain you, your family, and and uh, about that 500 yard mark is that's about my limit, and that's if it's a a damn good shot under pretty good conditions, and you feel comfortable with your ability as a shooter with your firearm to to do something like that. Um, I do know guys that do you know this quote unquote long range hunting um i'm kind of i'm kind of iffy on it because you know in the world of in the world of long range shooting um the the world kind of changes at at about 600 yards and beyond you have a, a lot more factors starting to kind of play on your on your on your bullet your round There's a lot of a lot more things to take into consideration which of course is going to mean the potential for a lot more things to to go wrong so I would say in, in general, it's, it's, it's a pretty good rule of thumb unless you're, and I, I say this even with an asterisk, but unless you're just a damn good shot under really ideal conditions, I would suggest most everybody, Hey, stick to, stick to, you know, 500 yards and in it for, for a good ethical kill shot on, on game. Now I'll say this with an asterisk. Um, I, I believe in freedom, so I will say this. Th that's not the asterisk part. The asterisk part is uh, when it comes to hunting, if you can make a shot at 900 yards and have it be ethical, sure. I, I'm, here's my, my problem with that is I think a lot of people out there think that they can do that, but when mm -hmm. it comes practicality time, they couldn't hit 24 inches of steel at 1,000 yards. You know, yeah. So if, if you can't do that consistently, all the time, know your wind calls, know exactly what happens. Know like you, you must know where your bullet will land. If you can't do that, I don't think that you're going to have an ethical kill, no matter where you hit the deer. If you were to hit it in the head or in the heart or in the lungs, if you were to, if you were to hit that deer that way, if you can't do that consistently, I just don't, I wouldn't consider that an ethical shot. I do think that, you know, no one should be out there telling you how far you can shoot. Um, but if you cannot do that, you should not be doing that. Mm -hmm. I think we lost Malar because he has a terrible internet connection. So. <laughs> I, I, I actually bounced back and forth. I was trying uh, a few different things to get a better signal, but it doesn't seem like it's working. So I'm going to turn <laughs> my, my video off because that frees up some bandwidth. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, I, I completely love the idea of hunting. So give us some, uh, going into hunting season, what are some hot optics that people should be looking at um, in terms of putting on their hunting rifles and kind of give us like a, some categories that we should be looking in. Sure. So, <clears throat> you, you know, call, call me bougie if you want, but I, I, I tend to like the, the little bit nicer stuff. I think Swarovski and Zeiss are both making some absolute top-notch hunting ops, optics these days they've both been in the game for a long time they they know what they're doing when it comes to the the engineering of the scopes and the, and the quality of the glass that they're using and really you can get into some options in both brands these days for what I would consider not necessarily a, a premium price point uh, a lot of people tend to think that they're going to be spending, you know, thousands of dollars on, on these high-end European optics. And don't get me wrong, they're still an investment. They're not the same as going to Walmart or Academy and getting, you know, uh, Pappy's Redfield or, or Tasco or, or something like that, or even, you know, maybe even a lot of the loophole stuff. But you are 1,000% getting what you're paying for. 
And like we were talking about just a few minutes ago, glass quality makes a difference. You can, you can get away with using a much, you know, lower powered scope with a smaller objective with really high quality glass than you probably would with a, a, a cheaper Chinese scope with, you know, a 56 millimeter objective and higher magnification. That's just a fact. Um, so my, my main optic, the last three or four seasons has been a Swarovski Z5 2.4 to 12 by 50. And I absolutely love it. It is very lightweight. They still use one inch tubes in their Z3 and Z5 models makes for a, a, a nice light compact package. That 50 millimeter objective is pretty much what I would consider the perfect size for an objective lens diameter in a hunting optic. You're, it's, it's big enough to where you're still getting some really, re, really, really good light transmission, but it's not huge like a 56 millimeter objective. So it's not going to look, you know, kind of weird or, or unsightly um, or, or be a little front heavy on, on your rifle. And then that lower power, you know, that, that, that 2.4 to 12, again, that is plenty enough um, magnification paired with a really good field of view to take game anywhere realistically from the end of my barrel out to, you know, any distance where I would realistically take an ethical shot at, which would be like we were saying about, about 500 or so yards. So. All right. And then, um, so how much would you say the price range would be on that optic? So the Z5 is, is going to run you a little north of a grand. You can, you can get into one of those. And it also, um, reticle is going to play a little bit of a factor into that price. Not a, not a huge factor. They're, all the reticles are relatively simple, but they have a couple options and it plays a, a small factor into the price. Another factor would be the turret, the turret type. <clears throat> a lot of people are a lot of hunters, I should say, are still used to the traditional cap style turrets, kind of a set it and forget it type setup. You know, you, you zero your, you zero an inch high at a hundred yards, right? That's, that's, that's what my, that's what my dad always used to say. And, um, and, and you're done, you know, you, 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 you do your zero and then you, you, you know, to hold a little higher, a little low anywhere from, you know, 25 yards to 300 or whatever you might take a shot at. Um, and, and that still works great for a, a lot of people. Most people that's going to be just fine. You also have the options these days on, um, on, most scopes really to have some type of dialable turret system. And the ones on the Swarovskis are fantastic, really. They, they, they call them a ballistic turret and they essentially have a spot for your initial zero. And they have three colored rings, a green, yellow, and red ring with, it's like a little colored notch on the rings. You would use a ballistic calculator and a calculate, based off of your, your velocity, your elevation, your height over bore, your particular load that you're using and a couple of other factors. And you know how many clicks that you're going to need to be point of aim, point of impact in that scope at X yards. So if you're zeroed at 200 yards, I generally zero my hunting optics at, at 200 yards and I can get into why here in a little bit. But I'll do uh, 200 yards and then set my colored notches to three, four, and five. And then I can, you know, 
dial for whatever distance I need to take a shot at or kind of fudge it one way or the other for in between distances. And the, uh, the turret system works particularly, particularly well if you think you might be doing any kind of shooting at, at longer distances. Um, but then on, on, and then you can get into like the Z3s, which is, you know, it's a, it's a slightly smaller magnification range. Um, not, not quite the magnification range of, of the Z5s. But you can get into some of those for you know well under a thousand dollars. You know the eight hundred mark, which I consider to be a, a really darn good value for um, you know good quality European glass. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this just because I think we kind of have to have this uh, out there, specifically due to the fact of a lot of the people that I get in my YouTube channel comments, um, people asking me questions in DMs. What are good budget options? And I'm, when I'm talking budget, I'm talking as cheap as you could reasonably get it. And I only ask that because there are a lot of people out there that do not have a lot of a lot of spending power when it comes to, um, you know, going out and hunting and doing stuff like that. Like they're like you know they're going out hunting for the first or second time, and they can't justify spending a thousand dollars on a on really good glass or even $800 um, because that's a, that's a lot of money to some people. That's a, that's a mortgage payment to a lot well, they, of people. Sure. I mean, there's people that are out there that are hunting just for the sake of putting food on the table. So exactly. They can't, so they can't afford an optic and that that's kind of, I think what you're getting at. And um, yeah, that's definitely, that is a good question. What is a, a good budget optic for somebody that's trying to get into it or maybe is into it and um looking to find like a decent optic yeah yeah absolutely uh and there's you know a decent amount of options out there for for those guys as well i talk to them all the time and i 100 respect it you know you're you're in some cases you're hunting to live or you're just wanting to get out there and hang out with your your son your grandson you know whatever reason and you just want to you know get something that's not going to fail on you and, and, and get, get some food on the table. I 100% respect that. And for, for those guys, I tend to steer, steer them away towards or steer them towards the, um, like the slightly cheaper loopholes, like their VX three line, you can get into some pretty solid scopes for around the $500 ballpark, you know, four, four to six, some, somewhere in there, depending on magnification, reticle choice, illumination, a couple other things. And then beyond that, if you're still, you know, wanting to get something, you know, let's say, oh man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saving up and I, and I got, I got 200 bucks. What can I, what can I do? What can get me out there for, for 200 bucks? Um, uh, a really, really underrated brand is, is Miopta. Um, another European scope brand, they do all, all their manufacturing, everything in-house in the Czech Republic. They've been there for years. They got their start making, um, making lenses and, and parts for, for medical equipment and for movie cameras. And they have really refined and done super well for themselves. And they offer a really, really good product at a really affordable price. They have some high-end stuff too that, that competes right up there with like the Zeiss and the Swarovskis. But then they're really budget-friendly stuff, um, like their Optica 5 and Optica 6 line is, is what they call them. Um, the Optica 5s have a five times magnification range and a one-inch tube. Optica 6s are 30-millimeter tubes and a six times magnification line. The Optica 6s are still, you know, a little on up in that 
five, six, seven hundred dollar price category. But the Optica fives, you can get a you know a two to ten or a, or a three um, or a three to fifteen in the Optica fives for around around two to three hundred dollars, which is a absolutely phenomenal value for the quality of of scope you're getting for that price. And I completely agree there. But I uh, another thing I wanted to, to to let everybody know, I'm not saying this um, specifically, you know, I'm not trying to shame anybody out there when I when I say this, think of it as a diamond, um, you can have you can have price in one point, you can have quality in one, and you can have uh, a durability in another, if you want durability and quality you won't get it for a good price. If you want price and durability, it probably won't be great quality. You know, so you have to you have to be able to choose two of those and live with your choice. Um, now, when I say this, I'm not I'm not saying this to um, push you out of the market for getting a, a high quality site. What I'm saying is, spend your money where you will get the most bang for your buck. Whether that be um, you're getting a Vortex or you're you're getting a Zeiss or you're um, Athlon or any of those brands out there that, uh, you know, that offer um, cheaper alternatives or cheaper optics. Um, like I'm, I don't necessarily love the strike fire line of Vortex optics, but I also think it's a good line for people getting into optics to kind of get themselves, you know, a, a foothold there. Um, I still think that the Viper line is probably your, your, your price point to bang for your buck type deal there. And, and that's just a, that's a, a baseline. So what I, what I want to caution people to, and I don't know if you ever, if you ever caution this, or even if you would agree with me on this is be wary that sometimes cheap isn't always good, but sometimes good doesn't always have to be expensive. Um, but it will cost you more than you probably wanted to spend in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I run into that frequently. And then there's several brands that, you know, we haven't even touched on yet that make some great options. I very much agree with the, you know, your sentiment about the Vipers. I think the Vortex, some of the Vortex stuff is, is really great as well for the money. And um, yeah, you could, you could, you can get things that are gonna pretty much, you know, do what you need them to do without having to spend an arm and a leg. The And, and then also, beyond. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but also no, no, another no. reason why a lot of people choose the Vortex, including me, my first optic was a Vortex strike fire one to six. And the reason why I went with that over any other one to six, like, yeah, I know it wasn't top of the line. It, I did have to spend a lot of money on an optic, but at the end of the day, that optic um, definitely, <laughs> and I say this in a way it is a, as I hope to not sound stupid, but that that optic, the reason why I chose it is because of Vortex's guarantee. Like if, if you you could light that optic on fire, send it to Vortex, and they will send you a new one. They, there is no ifs, ands, or buts. Vortex will take care of you. And that is a, that is one of the things that I love. And I and you know if you're going to spend the money on whatever Vortex line, whether it be Strike Fire, uh, Viper, Venom, any of those lines, Vortex does have probably one of the best guarantees in the business. They will always take care of you for, for a minimal cost. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes their optics may be 
priced a bit above the competition, but no matter what, you'll always have an optic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Vortex. Yeah, I mean, that was that was why I when I got into it, I jumped on getting a Vortex at first too, is the warranty. I mean, the, the fact that they stand behind it like that really said something about them. Um, and the fact that there's so much testament out there of people that are able to to warranty stuff and and get it done um who's that who's that one guy that we follow um he's in the brownells thing but he had an amg gen one you're talking about uh uh again pacific uh northwest yeah p and w guy yeah yep yeah he had a gen one a vortex uh uh1 gen one without the night vision capability and uh he had broken it like completely killed it sent it to vortex and they just automatically upgraded him to a gen two um and i know this is not the vortex podcast like we are not the vortex podcast nation or anything like that like <laughs> um and and vortex does have its pitfalls uh, i don't think you know on their cheaper line you know their their glass is not that great um but i you know they do stand behind their products they put out so are there other companies out there that are like vortex in that way <clears throat> so yes you know pretty pretty much every company that i can think of offhand these days at least has some form of limited lifetime warranty and burris is burris has also pretty much got to the point now where they pretty much offer a, a lifetimes no fault type thing basically like vortex does i don't think they advertise it like that but you know if you ever have some kind of issue that that's basically how they treat their warranties these days and then <clears throat> most of the other brands like like Leupold or Swarovski Zeiss Miopta some of these higher end brands as well have like i was saying some form of of limited lifetime warranty where there may be some form of you know, service charge or any, or something involved. If, if something was user induced or, or, or if it is a, over a certain amount of time, but most of them take care of you pr- pretty darn well. There's really not any brand that I can think of in particular that, you know, has a history of leaving their customers kind of up, up a Creek without a paddle, you know, most of them, this day and age have gotten really, really good. And, and, you know, that may be, that may be because of a uh, vortex having such a good warranty and good customer service. It's kind of got these other optics companies into gear. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that's why I'm saying it would make sense to me if it, if that is why, but a, a lot of these companies have really got their stuff together and are, are, are really doing a good job. If you, if it comes to that, you know, um, the hiring guys kind of, kind of tout the whole, Hey, we don't, we might, we don't have the super lifetime warranty thing because you're not going to need it. Okay, cool. I hope I don't, but what if I do? Um, but yeah, that's another, yeah, that's another thing. Like I, night force, I, I remember hearing a lot about night force. Like a lot of guys in the high end community were like, Oh, night force has excellent glass. Like they're excellent stuff, blah, blah, blah. But then there would be a lot of guys who are like, yeah, but I don't want to buy night force because their, their warranties kind of crap. Like they only warranty, um, you know, defects and it has to show within a certain amount of time. Otherwise it's like, Nope, you get nothing, you know? Um, so my, I guess my thing is, is 
I've seen Night Force kind of change their warranty since Vortex has come out and, you know, been the way that they are. Um, I don't know how much it's changed. I probably would still not buy Night Force specifically because it is just excessively out of my my budget um, in terms of if I want to still be married, um, <laughs> which I, I love my wife dearly. Uh, and, you know, I can go drop three grand on an optic and it wouldn't bother me, but it would bother other people. So, <laughs> um I can eat ramen for the next year. Like it's not a problem with me. Um, the uh, the thing is, though, is are there other optics companies that are making a splash like that? I mean, you talked about the Czech Republic company. What Optica? What was that? What their name? Miopta. And, Miopta. And it really kind of bums me out with Miopta because, like I was saying, their optics are so good and they're such a good value. As far from a purely value standpoint. I would go as far as to say is Miopta may very well be the best value in, in, in the optics industry. Their, you know, price to quality ratio is, is that good, but they don't have the, the brand recognition. They don't have the, they don't put their efforts into, into marketing um, to get their name out there. And it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a bummer. So I always, you know, I'm, I'm happy to support them and rep them. My, my rep over there is a, is a really, really good person. I really like him. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely push their stuff as, as much as I can. If I think it's going to suit the person's needs, they just, they just aren't for whatever reason, they just aren't very well known. Yeah, that that's, that's crazy. I'm actually, I'm looking at your website and I'm looking at the Miopta. Um, the other thing I wanted to, uh, and I don't know if we're going to jump into this later, but uh, for people that are just getting into it, like what accessories type stuff, because obviously we're, we are looking at optics. Um, so like, depending on what you're hunting, I guess, too, like tripod, is that kind of stuff necessary? Or what are your thoughts on uh, what tools per se or accessories um, for somebody getting into it? Yeah, absolutely. So that's definitely one of those things. It can be, and, 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 I, and I come at this from a very practical hunter standpoint. You know, I, I grew up in a, in a family that did it. I, I grew up doing it. I've been around it. I've, and I've watched all these, you know, hunting shows. I've read books, yada, yada. Um, and you can, you can get as, you know, you can get as big into it as you want. Like you got, you know, like look at Steven Ranella and, and, and some of these other guys that have all this you know, fancy equipment and, and camo and, and, and you can do all that and it, and it works great. And if that's what you want to do, by all means, go do it. Um, but you, you can on the, on the, on the flip side, you know, I've had friends and family that have a, a, a Ruger American with a, a vortex diamond back and they just, you know, a walk in the woods and, and sit on a log and, you know, generally least kill one or two deer a year you know? Um, so my, my advice would be, don't think too much about it. Get just some equipment that, you know, works, a, a, a decent rifle, a I was decent say, you, kinda, you need the rifle and the optic other than that. I mean, you, you know, <laughs> yeah. take, take cues from dudes who shoot people in the mall, um, who are trying to shoot up the yeah. mall, you know, lean up against the freaking whatever's out there. You know, if you find a piece of concrete or, you know, a tree, um, 
you know, you, you'd be surprised at what you could use for a brace and how steady you could be if, when need be, especially if, yeah. if, if, if that deer is your food for the next two or three months, you know, um, yeah. you know, if that's, if that's what's going to keep food on the table for you and yours, um, you know, at that point, and that's, and that's kind of where, you know, I think you can kind of take the line too when it comes to, when it comes to ethical hunting, um, you know, if that food is your food, uh, like for the next few months, you don't go to the grocery store because a, because you can't afford it. And B, because you have other things you need to do. Like maybe you have to buy formula for your baby and you need to put food on the table for you and your wife. Um, if that's the only thing you can get, I, at that point, I, I'm, that's kind of where I would personally say I would draw a line on ethics and hunting. Um, now I'm not going to say go out and shoot a deer with, you know, 30 rounds of your AR 15, but I will say, you know, if you, if you zip it and then you got to shoot it again, I'm not going to be upset at you for that. That's, that's food for you and your family. Now, if you're out here and you're, you're being an a-hole um, and you're just, you're just shooting up animals for no reason. That's where I have a problem. <laughs> you know, or you're taking unethical shots at 900,000 yards and you've never shot that distance before. Um, so again, I think that is exactly why optics are important on your rifle. And I think, um, you know, our, it's something to be said. Our forefathers were out there hunting big ass things at not, I wouldn't say long distance, but long distance for the time with just plain old iron sights too. So there's something mm-hmm. to be said for, here we go. Iron sights. You know, but it's also, it's also in the past. We used to watch black and white film and, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of updated since then. Uh, yeah. Now we use tritium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and, and that's, and that's an, um, kind of getting into one, one thing I wanted to touch on. I don't know if, I don't remember if we really talked about it too much last time or not, but in a, in a hunting environment, um, I would, I would not saying you, you need it, you know, like, like Hoodlum was just saying, you know, uh, for, uh, hundreds of years, people just went outside with a, a, a musket and iron sights and, you know, they would hunt just like that. But I would say these days, if, if it's in the budget, if, if you can do it, it's nice to have some sort of just observation, benign, uh, observation device, i.e. some binoculars, you know, binoculars um, are huge and i will always advocate mm-hmm. for binoculars um mm-hmm. not your cheapo ones either like i to be mm-hmm. honest i don't have a set of binoculars because i don't have the money to buy a good set of binoculars uh, but if i was going to go hunting that would probably be one of the things i would do a good 10 or 20 power set of binoculars well granted 20 power set of binoculars is pretty up there but um <laughs> a good 10 power eight power set of binoculars will get you a very long way mm-hmm. um especially in in observation i remember our our binos in the army were eight power and they were fantastic i loved those things now granted i did not know how much they cost until i got out of the army um, <laughs> so you know i was uh, i was a little bit blown away at how expensive like i think a, i think a pair of u.s army issued binoculars is like forty eight hundred dollars holy crap yeah. So don't, you know, don't go off that. And, and I will say they were excellent glass. Um, you know, not, uh, I wouldn't go necessarily night force level, but I would say very, very good. Like, like vortex venom line glass. Um, and, and I, I, I say that in a sense of you should definitely be looking at higher quality glass 
doesn't really matter your magnification range, even if it's a four power magnification range. If the glass is clear, it makes all the difference in the world. And I know I've said it before, but I'm going to beat this horse until it's well into the dirt. <laughs> glass yeah. makes a difference. Magnification doesn't if you have shitty glass. I'll yeah. leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm a big advocate for, for binoculars, for, for hunting, just for, for observation purposes. Um, most people can get away with like Hoodlum was saying, just a simple eight by 42. You keep, keep that magnification a little on the lower side, keep that field of view big, You can cover a nice wide area. If you're, if you're glassing and, and scanning and it's a whole lot better than just having to continuously pick your rifle up. If you want to, you know, get magnifying it on and on something. But um back to your question from from earlier, Malar, for somebody that's just wakes up one day and is like, you know what, to hell with it. I want to go hunting. Um obviously my my first recommendation would be to go go with somebody who kind of halfway knows what they're doing, right? But if 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 you don't have that option or and you just want to do it yourself, first off, do a little bit of uh, studying, you know, get a map, um, read up on what you're hunting and the area that you're going to be hunting in. And kind of like I was saying, have you a, a, a decent quality scope and, and rifle that, you know, is going to get the job done in that regard. And beyond that, you just have to have some, some decent camouflage. Uh, and, uh, and by that, I mean, go to Walmart or uh, Academy and just get some, you know, some decent m81 or some cheap cheap uh, knockoff real tree or, or something you know that it's not going to make you stand out uh maybe a little scent lock and uh, a decent pair of probably some like waterproof shoes or, or boots nothing nothing crazy you know depending on your your weather i don't know uh how i'm, I'm sure it you know probably gets a little colder where you are than than where i am so you you would you know probably want to get something with some with some pretty hefty thinsulate, you know, have you some nice wool socks, but that's, that's your two biggest things. Having the, the rifle and the optic that's, that's gonna, you know, do what you need it to do. And then just being dressed appropriately. So you're, you know, so you're not literally out there freezing to death or catching hypothermia or, or something like that. Other than that, like I said, I, I have friends that'll go in, go in a wood, go in the woods and just sit down on a tree trunk, sit down on a log. I've had buddies that I know will pack in like one of those fold out um, like lawn chairs and shoot off of a monopod. Like it's literally as simple as you as you need it to be. You can pick up a cheap little crappy hundred dollar ground blind. Those work well. Um, my goal, my my advice would just be just don't think too much about it and, and get out there and do it. Um, I'm all about, you know, without trying to sound too hippy dippy, I'm all about, you know, just being out in, in, in nature and enjoying the beauty of it and, and, you know, taking it all in and, you know, just realizing what you're there to do. And, and, and that's it, man, just, just get out there and, and do it. And then, oh, and I know. Then, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt I, you. No, that's okay. And I was just going to say, and then after that, if you, if you are out there, you know, and you could see yourself continuing it, or you, you see specific areas where you might want to improve, go from there. And we can get in as in depth uh, about that type of stuff as y'all want to as well. Um, but just, you know, like we were talking about for that guy starting out, just 
dress appropriately, have, have the gun and go do it. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to touch on too, was protection when you're hunting, like granted you're carrying around a rifle, totally understandable. Then all of a sudden you run into this, a big old you, mama you bear. You talking about condoms, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it might prevent, you know, monkey pox from you and your hunting buddy. I have no idea. You're going to broke back mountain it out there for warmth. I, I don't care. Um, but, uh, the, uh, the thing I wanted to say though, is protection. I kind of feel like is a must. I I've done a lot of camping growing up doing a lot of stuff like that. I think it's almost a must to take a sidearm. Um, in a lot of States that is completely legal. I don't know about most States. I think some of the real hardcore commie States like New York and California, those ones might be a little bit more difficult, but, um, check your state and local laws. I'm not an attorney, but every time I've ever gone out hunting or camping, um, I don't do a whole lot of fishing, but even if you're out there fishing, um, I highly recommend you have a weapon of some kind that can shoot multiple bullets at once or, or multiple bullets really quickly and at once. Um, if you can take a machine gun with you, by all means, um, I'm not going to be bad. The, uh, There was a video the other day that kind of popped up on my Instagram feed. I don't know if it's popping up on everybody's, but there was a couple of hunters or fishermen or campers or something. They're in a boat and a mama bear looked like a grizzly bear came out of the woods and she jumped right in. And the hunter, I can't, I couldn't tell if he shot the water or if he shot the bear, but he did scare the bear away. Um, So, you know, that's a great thing is you may not even have to shoot the bear, but you know, if you can make a really loud noise, you can definitely scare off other predators, things like that. I know if you're in the West coast, you know, you have to worry about bobcats and things like that. I'm not necessarily sure what you really have to worry about out here. Um, maybe boar. I, I, I'm not hundred percent sure, but you know, something you could piss off something and they'll come at I, you. I mean, probably snakes and stuff, but, uh, the other thing I was going to say, I mean, if you're bringing that, the other thing to consider is a, a medical kit. Mm-hmm. Yes. something you would definitely want with you as well and i uh, i feel like that's very easily overlooked because it's just like oh i'm gonna grab my my gun and i'm gonna head out to the <laughs> to the uh stand and, and bag me a deer and uh don't think about any of the the medical stuff um, because well, accidents do happen out there or you do encounter uh, other animals that you're not particularly hunting and uh potentially have an encounter with them you also yep. just kind of brought up a really good point there more the uh the I, I saw some ads or some things. I went to like a hunter thing and I saw a, a couple of things that were like, you know, make sure you wear your harness in your deer stand so you don't fall out of your deer stand and die or whatever. I, I don't know about all that. I've, I've never hunted or, or hunt, never hunted in a deer stand. Um, so I have no idea what goes, goes on with that. Um, but I would assume, you know, where your safety gear, safety gear is probably something that, you know, I definitely don't leave my house without my safety gear. Um, it, you know, it doesn't matter what that is, your safety equipment being like your gun, your medical, things like that, your life saving equipment, you should never leave your house without it. I don't care where you're going. Um, even if you're going to the hospital, between you and the hospital, you could get in a serious injury some way, somehow. Um, so never leave, really leave your home without that and always make sure that it is close by. Um, now, granted, nobody's perfect. There have been days where I've left my house without my medical stuff and went crap. Um, but no, like, especially, uh, is there like a deer stand thing? Like, do people like fall out of deer stands? 
They just get yeah. drunk up in the tree. No, typically that's the old wooden stands that are up in the trees. So like they'll collapse. So mm-hmm. that is it's those things are they're literally called old man stands where you you know these old style stands where it's a you know essentially a a very small seat looks look it looks almost like a, a bar stool type thing with a little platform to put your feet on and you know a ladder essentially and you plop it up against a tree and you you might be you know 15 20 feet in the air and you usually you know um have some kind of way to secure it to the tree um and then they have stands that you actually use um to climb like you 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 essentially strap the stand to yourself um have part of the stand connected to the tree and you climb the the tree secure your stand you sit in it and then when you're you know ready to come down in the in the morning or at night or whatever you you know un unharness yourself disconnect your stand from the tree and and climb back down and with with either either one of these stands if you were in an elevated uh position obviously you you have the chance that you could fall so i i see it happen generally i feel like i see it at least once a year you know somebody falls out of a stand and, and, and is paralyzed or, or, or worse or something like that. You know, I, I've, 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 I know a guy personally who, um, who in my hometown that it happened to, and usually it comes from either not securing your stand properly or some form of negligence where the animal came out, you know, behind you or something, and you're trying to turn around and lean over to get a, a good shot and you just, you know, lose your, lose your footing, slip off your seat, whatever, and and you fall. And, and it 100% does happen. It's a real risk. So I always, uh, and, and and that's one of the reasons I don't, I don't use tree stands. I do, I do ground stands. Um, This does bring a question up for me of like, if you are using a tree stand mm -hmm. uh, and I don't, I don't know the answer to this. This is why I'm asking, Um, but what height would you typically set that up? And also, I guess with that, that could be relevant to what distance you're potentially reaching out to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it, a couple of factors are going to come into play. Um, essentially, your, your kind of environment, whether you're in, you know, if you're in a, a, a flatter environment, you can get away with not going as high. If you're dealing with hills or, 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 or uh, low bottoms or, you know, uneven terrain, you're probably going to want to get a little higher. And, um, I've seen some guys get, get pretty darn high. You know, you, you, you can get as low as, you know, 10 to 15 feet where you just have a little extra elevation to give you a little further sight radius. Or I've seen guys get way up there, you know, we're talking like 20 to 30 feet and it's like, Oh man, you know, but, um, I've seen it and people and people do it and they, and they swear by, you know, using, using tree stands to, to get a, you know, a nice wide, big, uh, a view on the area. And that, that's just not for me. Um, I'll, I'll stick to my ground stand. I'll, I'll sacrifice my, uh, my, my field of vision for, for a little added safety. <laughs> so Yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a person who firmly believes being planted on the ground is a okay. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. You know, no, granted, like, you know, if, if, if that's your thing, if you're a deer stand hunter, sure. Use safety, uh, y- you know, use the precautions that you have at hand. Um, you know, if you don't want to, you know, don't blame anybody else and you can die out there in the woods on your own. Like nobody cares. <laughs> um, but at the same time, 
understand that you are taking your life into your own hands when you go up in a tree stand and you go 30 feet in the air. It doesn't seem like the ground's very hard. You know, it's full of leaves or whatever. But I guarantee you when you fall 30 feet out and you land on your freaking head or you mm. impale yourself with your rifle, um, which has happened. Apparently, I just looked up a thing that that has actually oh, happened. Wow. Uh, um, the, uh, you know, be understanding you will need medical equipment and you will need some way to get people out there to save you. So, and apparently hunting accidents are, um, extremely prevalent of in deer stand hunters. Um, also I didn't know that you had to wear orange, like this was mandatory. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that was going to be one of the things that I got into at some point, but in, most, if not all states, while, um, while deer hunting, you have to wear what's called hunter's orange as a safety precaution to essentially, you know, essentially keep dumb dumbs who, you know, shoot at, shoot at movement, keeps them from shooting you basically. And deer are a, um, are a certain form of, I don't remember the exact technical ter- term, but they're basically a certain form of red green colorblind to where orange appears green to them. So you're, you're not in danger necessarily of, of spooking the deer from wearing a bright color, but obviously you're highly visible if other hunters or or something like that is in your area and they know to, Hey, there's, let me not shoot at that orange blob because you got idiots out there that'll just hear something move and, and, and shoot. I've, I've seen and read about that happening well as well. It's, it's a shame that that's something you've got to worry about, but you know, it, well, it, it's- this just, just, just affirms that um, just, you know, <laughs> I think this is kind of where the, the, the safety rules come from. Shoot what you can see, you know, know your exactly. target and what's beyond it. Exactly. Um, I don't know if anybody watched that show, the walking dead a million years ago, this was like the mm-hmm. first or second season. But when uh, when they were out in the woods and they saw a deer and Carl went up to the deer to like pet the deer and a hunter shot the deer and the bullet went through the deer and into the child. That was a you weren't checking your target and what was beyond it. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to you have to look at that. Now, granted, I don't think there are going to be children out there touching wild deer. And if you have children in the woods, don't let them touch wild deer. Um, (laughs) Deer will fuck you up. Like no joke. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that again, it's knowing your surroundings of uh, where you're hunting. Uh, exactly. Probably, I mean, I've talked about before the only place I, or the only time I've hunted is Turkey, but um, where I am able to hunt deer, uh, I, I can put it this way. We don't, we wouldn't need a stand. You can literally sit inside, open the door, open a window and take a deer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool because they, they're like the within 50 yards and uh very close uh range and the if like when my dad has hunted it's you're typically shooting downhill into the into the woods so it's like we know that what's back there uh it's just trees and it's going to go down into a safe area it's not going to uh you know keep going <laughs> yeah that's good now jace have you ever hunted on private land yeah, so I actually do most of my hunting on on private land, and the rules between private and, and public lands are a little different. Um, large, not largely the same, but there are some differences. But uh, yeah, these days I would say probably ninety. So my, to, yeah, go ahead. 90, 90 to one hundred percent of your hunting is done there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my question, I guess, for that is, um, do you still have to wear hunter orange on private land? 
Yes. Yes. Um, because in a, in a lot of instances, private land butts up next to a public land, which is, that's the case for me. My, the, the private land that I haunt on butts up next to some public land. And, um, you know, so I could, in, in theory, I could potentially run into, you know, another, another random hunter or something like that. So by law, you, you do still have to. So you may know this, the answer to this question then what happens if somebody takes a deer it's on your private land, but they shot it from public land. So that, that could vary per state, I would imagine too. Yeah, that could vary per state, and we're not we're not uh, you know we are not, not attorneys. <laughs> yeah, we are not lawyers. We don't give legal advice. But from your perspective and how it's been dealt with in your way, and I'm going to preface this with: you need to look up the things in your own area. Um, but you're hunting in Louisiana, correct? Louisiana, Mississippi. Yes. Louisiana and Mississippi. Could you kind of maybe walk us through that? And, you know, so if you, if you shoot something on public land and it, you know, makes its way onto private land, you are supposed to contact the landowner of the, of the private land and, and get permission to go gather your animal. That is the by the book way to do it. I would say, 95% of people aren't going to do that. They're just going to go and get it. Um, If you get shot on private land, that's your own damn fault. But uh. yeah, it's, it's kind of like (laughs) a at your own risk type thing, you know, but generally speaking, having seen it from personal experience, um, that's, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. But that by and large is not, is not what's normally going to happen. Okay. Um, But so, so what happens? Like, can the, can the person who owns that private land, now say that that's their deer you know in that regards i i really don't know i i would assume probably not they're they're the the person who shot it still i would assume has can go about some kind of way or process to to claim that deer i've i've just never been in that in that situation. Um, so I feel like I need a game warden. Like I feel like I need to contact a game warden, have him on the show to like, yeah. be like, look, here are the weird nuanced, dumb things of the law that I really want to know. Like, you know, because I, I honestly want to know, like say someone's on public land, they don't know the land they're shooting onto is private land until, mm-hmm. you know, they go to walk up to the deer and there's, there's like a fence there and it says private land. Like, mm-hmm. come on here. I'm going to shoot you in the dome. Mm-hmm. And so that person goes and sneaks onto the property and starts dragging the deer off. And the guy comes out, you know, claims like no this is now my deer like can like you know those are the weird odd things that i don't think will necessarily happen a lot but yeah. if, you're a, if you're a listener out there and you've had this personal experience uh please you know put it in the uh, reviews or send me an email or whatever um but i i, I would you know i would really love to know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> these I, I weird things too. yeah i'm curious now because I've never heard of that happening. I'm sure it probably has. Um, you know, I, I would think most people wouldn't really probably wouldn't even care if you came on their land or, or and got their deer as long as that's all you're doing, you know. But uh, yeah, the crazy stuff happens. So I, I'd be curious as well. Yeah, that is that is pretty odd to me. Um, how, and this is more from a, again, your personal stance. How have you seen hunting laws enforced? Um like, do you, I don't know if you have game wardens or um, fish and game or wildland protection or whatever, um, but do they, uh, do they consistently interact with hunters? 
Like, is this a consistent thing? So some, some seasons I've had them where I've had a run in with them, you know, two or three times a season. And when I say a run in, I just mean like, you know, you, you have your deer on the back of your truck or, or, or four wheeler or whatever. And they'll stop and be like, Hey, you, you, you know, you got your tag for that. And it's like, Oh yeah, yeah here it is. Here's my tag. And then I really have to say, show them your tag. Yeah. If they ask for it, you, you, yeah, you are obligated to, you know, have proof that you have legally harvested that animal. Um, you know, so, and I don't know, let's not get into that, I guess. I, I feel yeah. about it, about how, how probably how, same how you feel. I mean, but, um, I mean, uh, you don't, enc- you're not going to encounter them on private land though, correct? You're encountering them once you leave private land and are transferred so, to be processed. So that's one of those fun little things where it's kind of a gray area, you know, just like with like regular law enforcement, if they have, um, what's that probable, term? probable, probable cause. cause. Yeah. They could technically, uh, do whatever they, they can, yeah. they can pretty much strip <laughs> you of your constitutional rights and do whatever they want. Cause they're a holes, but keep yeah. going. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's essentially it. If I'm, if I'm, you know, on a, on a deer stand overlooking my food plot on my private land that my name is on. Um, and they, for whatever reason, they see my truck parked out front and they're like, Hmm, I wonder if he's doing everything he's supposed to be doing. He can, in theory, he can walk right up to me and be like, Hey man, like you, you cool to be here. So. So can you shoot suppressed and hunt? Yes. That is 100% legal in every state that suppressors are legal. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Yep. Um, that's, that's okay. That's interesting. I thought it, I thought some States were still like outlawing suppressed hunting. I know that was a thing for a long time. Like they were like, that's unethical for the deer. I'm like, well, you're in shooting the deer. Like, I don't think they, you know, care right. about hearing damage. Um, you know, but at the same time, like I, I firmly believe that suppressors should never be a part of the NFA. So, you know, that's oh, I, I, I'm right there with you in that. But um, I did. Or a, I did. A, yeah. Oh, yeah. The NFA, ATF, uh, you know, all that. But uh, all the three letter <laughs> agencies are BS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I took a pretty deep dive into that when I got my first suppressor and I wanted to start hunting with a suppressor and my gosh, does it make such an awesome difference? Um, so you only hunt suppressed pretty much. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, a game changer, not having to worry about, you know, either wearing some type of ear protection all the time or trying to fiddle and put them, put them in before you try to take a shot. Oh, it's so nice to just not have to worry about it and have a suppressor on, on the rifle and be done with it. Are you running? Um, um, and I think I asked this possibly in a previous, uh, podcast. Um, are you running bolt? Are you running, um, like a semi-auto? I, I do use a, a bolt action rifle. I grew up using a semi-automatic hunting rifle, a Browning BAR, um, in, in my adulthood, I switched over to bolt action. It is my preferred form of uh of hunting weapon for sure okay what what did you say you shot again i'm sorry what was your rifle so the last couple seasons i've uh, i'm a i'm a, a bit of a regara fan i shot my first one i don't know four or five years ago and i kind of kind of fell 14 yeah my my first rifle was a b14 that is now essentially my fiance's my second rifle well i guess 
technically all of them are, are, are B14 actions. And I switched to a, when they came out with their wilderness series a couple years ago, I picked up one of their wilderness t- terrains, I believe, um, use that. And then here, and, that, and, and let, let, this reminds me, let me get into this. So with a, with a, my, my standard rifle, after putting a suppressor on it, that thing is ginormous, right? You, you take a, you know, a 22 inch barrel, stick a seven inch can on it. You have a, a musket essentially. So this, for this upcoming season, I actually just picked up, I haven't even shot it yet. I'm hoping to take it out and side it in and get it all set up here pretty soon. I got another Bergera B14, what they call their um, SPR model. Maybe y'all seen them or familiar with them. It's, um, it's essentially just like their standard B14 Ridge. It just has a uh, 18 inch barrel. It's nice, nice and short. And uh, it's uh, with a suppressor on it. It's a pretty darn close to the same length as what my last rifle was without a suppressor. And uh, it is going to be much nicer in that, in that ground blind, just being able to maneuver that thing. Uh Oh, my bad. No, I, I I didn't unmute myself. Um, Is there any, is there any law about, um, hunting at night? Are you allowed to hunt at night? No. Um, so the, the law in, at least in, in my States, um, and I, as far as I know, it's pretty darn, it's almost universal. There's a a few different variations by literally a, a matter of minutes, but it's essentially in the mornings it's, you can't shoot, um, no earlier than 30 minutes before legal sunrise and in the evenings, no later than 30 minutes after legal sundown. Interesting. So no night vision stuff. No, no nope. other than hog hunting. Cause out here, hog yep. hunting, you can shoot hogs all day long with freaking flamethrowers. If you feel like it. Yep. Yep. You can predator hunt literally any, any day of the week, any, any time, day or night. Some, some places require you to, notify your local game warden or law enforcement if you're doing that but by and large yeah for predator hunting it's kind of uh all things goes but yeah that as far as hunting like actual game those are that's the laws that i have to abide by here and that's you know like i was saying kind of kind of like that most most places with a difference of maybe 15 minutes one way or the other so interesting so what um what what have you bagged so far? I guess like what's uh, what's some of the things that you've gotten gotten? What are some of the things you've harvested? Wow, English. <laughs> yeah, so pretty much all my hunting experience, as far as like medium sized game, it comes from whitetail whitetail deer, which is that's the most commonly harvested animal in North America. That's what you know. By and large, the vast majority of hunters are going to be hunting white-tailed deer you know they're all over the country they're 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 plentiful they're a a a good um filling meat versatile meat that you can do a lot of stuff with and and like i said earlier i'm a very practical hunter and um that's what i have the the easiest access to and that's what i um have certainly harvested most of general in where where i'm at um you're allowed to harvest um, three, three deer a year. And, oh my gosh, now I'm blanking on the exact specifics. It's no more than three males a year 
and I think it's no more than three deer in gen in in total. And it can be, um, if you're on if you're if you're hunting private land, you have to hunt. It, it has to be a male deer four points or better, except for one weekend a year. They they'll you they it's it's called a uh, called a doe day, and um, but you can hunt. Um, you can kill a doe like one weekend a year on private land. You can, you can kill, um, you can kill does, you know, any, any time during the season, but still, no matter what you kill male or female, it can be no more than three deer a year. And I would say I generally fulfill my, my, my yearly limit generally doesn't always happen, but most of the time it happens. So how much, um, Typical four points or better buck. What's your amount of food you're going to get out of that? Like how many, like, what do you, what do you plan on doing? Like, what's the harvesting look like? Do you, do you do the the skinning, the cutting and all that? Or do you send it off to a butcher? Yeah. So I, I generally will, um, we'll, we'll do the, we'll do the cutting and, and cleaning and, and all of that process. And if there's, you know, any, ever any point where y'all want to get into that side of things, we certainly can. But uh, we'll generally do the, um, you know, take the animal, skin it, gut it, uh, clean it, qu- quarter it, you know, separate the parts. And then um, from there, bring it to a butcher to get processed. I'm a big fan of, um, uh, of fresh, fresh, like unsmoked, uncooked sausage. That's what I do with most of the meat besides like the, um, the backstrap, the, the roast and a, and a couple parts that, you know, we generally like to cook super fresh. Um, most of the, most of the meat is going to be processed into fresh, fresh sausage. And you can, depending on the size of, of the deer, you can bank on 60 to 80 pounds of, of, of meat somewhere, somewhere in there. So, um, I would say generally if I fill my bag limit and then my fiance hunts as well, she'll, she'll, you know, normally kill some. Um, we generally have enough meat and we're meat eaters. You know, we, we eat our share. We generally have enough meat, if not more to last us through the year till the, till the next hunting season. So. Well, that's good. Do you, do you give any away to charity or anything like that? So I've never given any way to charity, but I do tend to give some away to friends, family, um, it, it, you know, there's, there's, I generally have more, more than I can, you know, eat before it's time to go harvest some more. So I do tend to give a, a decent amount of it away. Yeah. Go ahead, Miller. I was going to say that's a, that's a good question. Cause a lot of the, uh, I mean, they're butchers, the, the, if I remember correct, the people that actually are doing all of the cuts and everything for you, correct me if I'm wrong, Jace, is that their like official yeah. title, like a butcher or like the cuts as in uh like who's actually processing it yeah so the the parts that is that's processed yes is an actual butcher shop Mm -hmm. okay yeah so what i was going to say is i think a lot of them actually offer that option to donate like a certain amount if i remember correct i think my state actually has something regarding that and there's like a tax break for it and I, I believe you're right about that as well. I'd kind of forgotten about that, but I believe you are correct. And also another thing I forgot to mention, and y'all, y'all may already know this. There, there may be some people out there that don't. Generally, because deer is such a lean meat, what most butchers are going to do 
are um, when they, you know, process into, into sausage or whatever, are, are going to do um, generally like a 50, 50 or like a 60, 40 uh, pork to deer mix. Wow. Mm-hmm. Why? Um, to give it a little extra fat um, because that deer, that the deer meat is, is, is so lean that, that, that pork with a little added fat tends to um, give it a little extra, a little extra flavor and a little extra tenderness. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you what you're uh, off, off hunting now. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go in a different direction. Malar, did you have any more questions? Uh, At the current moment, I can't think of them. I've been kind of coming up with them as we've been going through. Um, I'm I'm going to, you know, I think the only real, the only other question I think I have, um, because we did like, entry-level optics but in the way of suggested entry-level uh bolt action rifles or a entry-level hunting rifle i'm i'm gonna go ahead and say it i know that i know that jace may go a different direction um howa has some really good actions that are not super expensive and they're barreled and you can pick them up at brownells um but there are also the savage axis twos um, or other like real inexpensive guns. I picked up my Savage Axis 2, I think for 320 bucks. Um, and that was no special discount. I think it was on sale because they're normally like 399. I picked it up for like 320 bucks. It's just a simple bolt action gun. It had, it has four rounds in a magazine. Other ones may do different things, but, um, you can pick up relatively cheap hunting rifles. Uh, and you can also, rebarrel ARs in most states to take um 350 legend or you can use AR10s um 308 or you can run like 243 different things like that you can you can definitely run a lot of different things and not spend a ton of money um but I don't know where you're going to go with that one Jace but I wanted to I just wanted to put that out there real quick yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I would agree with that. Um, generally, before they came out and made some dumb statements recently, I'd recommend just going and getting a Ruger American. Um, you know, that's kind of the cheapest th- that I can think of is if you're just going by a complete rifle, um, you can literally pick up a, a Ruger American for what, four or 500 bucks, which is, you know, nothing. And uh, you can, you can, as long as you have a uh, as long as the only thing I've ever seen um, happen with some Rugers, and it's not like it's a, a lot of them, but it's enough to be aware of. Um, sometimes their their barrels will be a little um, I don't know if warped is the word or a little bit a uh, little like bit off, non concentric, so like it doesn't work with yeah. a can. Okay. Yeah. So um, I would say as long as you're being careful of that, um, a Ruger American is. is one of the cheapest ways to get into a decent shooting rifle if, is if you can get past their, their political stance on certain things. And, um, and, and, and like, like Hoodlum said, uh, how, uh, um, Savage makes some decent ones for the money. And uh, again, back to that, uh, Bergara, Bergara's are excellent, excellent rifles for the price. You can get one of their Ridge or, or Hunter models. Uh, I think the hunters are, are non-threaded. So if you wanted something threaded, I would say get at least the Ridge, and even one of those is probably like six or 700 if you, you catch it at the right time, you know, I, which I did see a guy on YouTube. He got a Howa mini action. I think it was an 18 inch 308. 
Um, he got a how a mini action, a Boyd stock, uh, and the mini actions uh, come with, they come barreled. Um, and I do believe that how also has a threaded version, but he had that, the Boyd stock, and he put a red dot on his, but um, I think he did it for 900 bucks. Like it wasn't bad at all. And I, I was really sitting there. I was like, Jesus, you could, you could do that for under a grand. Um, and I think, I think the stock and the mini or the action itself with the, with the barreled action with one magazine um, and the, uh, and the bolt um, for the bolt action, I think it only cost him like 400 bucks. And then the stock was like 130 or 140. So you know, you're not spending a ton of money, but you're getting a pretty, especially with Howa. Howa makes some really good stuff for the money. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say they're, you know, like their action is not on glass or anything like that, but it is a very good action for the money that you spend. Um, I do know Bagara, the B14 actions. Um, there's not a lot in that price range that, you know, run with them. And then the the Savage Axis that I have, I will I will preface this. The action really fucking blows. <laughs> it is not great action, but it works. And that's kind of one of the things, you know, for a $320 gun, like whole gun, like I'm not upset that that action doesn't like, doesn't slip on glass. Like it's a, it's pretty good. You oil it, it works out pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can definitely get some, some solid stuff in the, in the rifle department without getting too crazy. And another, um, check mark I got to give to Bergara is their action um, essentially mimics the uh, Remington 700. So any Remington 700 uh, mounts, rails, bases, um, chassis, stocks, whatever you can, it's, it's essentially all just plug and play. You know, if you wanted to, for whatever reason, stick it in a, a, a different um, stock, it's, it's literally a matter of undoing a couple of screws, plopping it in and, 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 and screwing it back in. So the, the, the versatility of, of the, of the Brigaro with the B14 is, is really, really nice. I will say um, Remington 700 actions are coming down in price and you can find them. Brownells did have a shipment of them not too long ago. And again, I'm not trying to sit here and plug Brownells, but that's usually where I get the most, um, <laughs> Where we're browsing the most. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's where I'm looking the most. It's also where I get the most ads. Um, but they they did get a shipment of 700 actions in. I think they were just under 600 bucks for for a 700 action only. Um, now, granted, that is very pricey um, and not one that I would necessarily be like woo. Uh, but at the same time, it's a it's a pretty decent option uh, if you're if you're not you know if you're not upset about spending a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I um I don't know how, how if y'all want to get into it at all about like specific calibers or anything, but that's um you know that's always something to consider as well with your with your game and uh, and and hunting uh, preferences. So yeah, so, uh, I've heard a wide variety. Like uh, I've I've heard that two forty three is enough for a deer, but then you know I know people running thirty odd six or three oh eight. Uh, so there seems to be a definitely a, a wide variety of what people are running. Um, yeah, it comes down to comfortability too. You know, like what are you comfortable taking a deer with? Yeah, yeah. There's certainly a, a lot of factors that play into it. Um, the two forty three, um which is a, it's a six millimeter round. So the six millimeter slash two forty three is, is, is what I would consider to be my minimum. Um, that's what I started out with when I was 
able to hold a gun and accurately and safely shoot a gun, uh, I, I started on a crack barrel 243 that my, uh, that my dad got me. And it is definitely capable of, of killing a deer, you know, no, no doubt about that. And then it, they just kind of go up from there to, you know, the, the six and a half millimeter or 260 caliber cartridges. And then you have seven millimeter, which is, um, um, oh, what's the, uh, and they're like two, two seventies, uh, seven millimeter, two seventy, And then, um, oh man, there's, there, there's just so many, but, uh, and, and so the 243, like I said, being my bare minimum, and it's a good entry point for, for young people or, um, for, for ladies or for someone who's just not used to, you know, heavy, heavier recoiling cartridges, um, from there, six, five Creedmoor, love it or hate it. It's a, it's a good, uh, it's a good hunting round. I haven't shot too much of it, but I hear a lot of good things. I do know that there are, uh, you know, numerous cartridges and look up your state and local laws, whatever you're trying to get into here in Texas. I think you can hunt a deer with, you know, cannon to 22 long rifle. That's your, <laughs> you know, um, if that's your preference, but I don't know, you know, Maryland or, or Indiana or all these other places that have different, um, uh, laws that comes about it. You know, you got to look that stuff up. Um, but Six five Creedmoor is a good baseline. Three fifty Legend for search for straight wall stuff is is relatively inexpensive. I think you could pick up hunting rounds for twenty bucks for a box of twenty. Um, uh, for good stuff, I mean, now three fifty Legend I would say is a two hundred to three hundred yard cartridge um, for things like that. So you know, look up you know what you can do. Um, definitely don't put everything together before you go hunting, and. Uh, you know, like that weekend before and expect everything to be a hundred percent, um, run some stuff that you've run for a while, you know, get out there and shoot your guns. Um, make sure you're running the ammo that you're planning on hunting with and setting yeah. in with that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> also, yeah, the, the ballistics are going to be different. That's a yeah. big thing. Um, it may not look like much on paper, but when you extrapolate data, it extrapolates and it gets, it gets pretty wide, like gaps in a lot of things get pretty big. Um, again, I, I would sit here all night and talk to you guys about this, but I think this is good enough for part one. I think we've definitely done that. So, um, but honestly, Jace, I love having you on every single time. Can you give us some cool, um, we're looking at sport optics. What are we, uh, what should we be looking at in terms of sales you've got coming up? What's, uh, what's going on with that? What are, what what's are some good. Yeah. What's yeah. new and hot, man. Yeah. So, um, the, the new and hot thing for me right now is just trying to get some stuff in stock that, uh, that I've been short on here lately. Um, a lot of the European manufacturers and even some of the domestic manufacturers have been, uh, running a little lean here lately, but a lot of them are doing a, pro a big production push right now to try to get stuff out for, of course, hunting season. And of course, for the holidays. So here in the next, um, two to four-ish weeks, I should be restocked on a lot of stuff that I've been running a little dry on here lately. All the stuff from the, you know, the cheaper stuff all the way up to the high-end stuff. I, I got um, Vortex, Miopta, Zeiss, Rofsky, Night Force, Leupold, all that coming in. I'll be having, um, you know, some different stuff going on between, 
now and, and, and Black Friday and Christmas, you know, keep an eye out for different stuff I'll, I'll have going on. Sign up for our email alerts if you haven't already. And of course, follow me on Instagram. It's sport optics underscore Jace. I try to post stuff on there. I'm always um, happy to answer any DMs, email me, call me, shoot me a message, please get in touch with me if you're looking for anything at all. And I'm going to help you to the best of my ability. I'm going to, you know, hook you up on, on price and, and, and give you um, all the advice you, you want or don't want. And I'm going to, I'm going to get you in, in, in what's going to work for you. Yeah, guys, I'm not, uh, I've heard from people who've called Jace um, and he's a wealth of knowledge. So if you, if you have any questions, I mean, just by talking to him on the podcast, I'm asking him a ton of questions and he's able to give actual answers. Um, a lot of, a lot of guys I think are, uh, I don't know if they're scared or maybe they're just not sure, but you, um, like asking for directions. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know what it is, but you're, you know, if you're, if you're out there and you're afraid or you're, um, you, you think you're going to look stupid, um, kind of put your pride on the back burner. Uh, the, the best thing is, is to have that good knowledge out there uh, and, and do that. So contact Jace. If you live in the Louisiana area, um, you're more than welcome to go visit him. I'm pretty sure he would not, not at his house, but go to his work. Um, <laughs> you, you know, I'm pretty sure he'd be more than happy to talk to you for hours on end about different things that you can, you can get into. Um, but let's hear one crazy good deal that Sport Optics has coming on right now. One crazy good deal. Uh, I feel like I've been harping on Miopta a little bit tonight, but one crazy good deal I have on them right now. Let me bring it up so I'm telling you exact numbers. Miopta recently just came out with a brand new scope, and I can't believe I forgot to mention it earlier. Um, they introduced it at SHOT Show, came out with it not too long after. It's called their Miopta Mio Sport R, so a bit of a mouthful, but it is a 3 to 15 by 50 uh, hunting scope with um, a, a simple hunting reticle with a floating dot, which is my favorite style of reticle. I love floating dots in a hunting reticle. Um, illumination and dialable turrets. So this is very feature rich, listed at 450, which is crazy by itself. And then we're doing 16% off of it right now, um, which gets it down to like sub $400, like 370 something, which is absolutely insane. So if you're looking for a super good entry point, um, that's, that's a fantastic one right there, guys. So so 16% off. I'm sorry. My wife came in and bothered me. So 16% off with the code you have. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 16% off of that for four fifty. What is, what is that? 16% off of four fifty. Okay. That, okay. So whatever you know, it is. Uh, if you have an iPhone, just type in 16% and then <laughs> by four fifty. Um, it, honestly, that's awesome. Uh, so 16% off of four fifty. That's not bad at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a screaming deal right now for for all you're getting in that little in that little scope. That's not bad. Um, the Millar, what do you have? You have any questions? Uh, no, I'm I'm just uh, I'm pretty excited to. Uh, I mean, now that we're we're doing two episodes, I'm pretty excited about that because I was going to mention we got to have him back on um, later in hunt, hunting season when he back <laughs> yeah and talk about well, the uh, the hunt. Well, this will be out during the week that we are at Brownells, so we won't have a, 
uh, but then when we come back, we'll be able to put out a new episode that week. So it won't be, it won't be too crazy, but um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll have you back on again and you can let us know what's going on. Maybe some more awesome, like pre hunting season deals. Now, granted, I'm not a big hunter. I, I, I'm not, you know, itching to hunt, but I know there are a lot of guys out there that are, um, and I want to give you guys the information where you can find it, who you can talk to about that sort of stuff. So Jace at sport optics, is a wealth of knowledge. Definitely hit him up on Instagram or give uh, Sport Optics a call. And he's one of the dudes that answers the phone. So um, I will say I am bummed that you don't have the EPS carries in, but I did get mine from Brownells. Uh, I I absolutely love this little thing so far, and I can't wait to get out and shoot it. Um, but we touched about it at the beginning. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to have somebody like you on who has just a, just a wealth of knowledge. And, and I, and I love the fact that you were like, it's, it's a wave of the future for enclosed emitters. <laughs> and uh, you know, that's something that I think is, is, is not said either enough or, or maybe just so many people are turned off by, by how big they are. Um, but no, definitely pay attention when Jay says it at the beginning. It's definitely something that needs to be said. Go look at some of the new enclosed emitters that are coming out. They're definitely um, a good thing. Go If you're into hunting, go look at some of the hunting stuff they have coming in. They have really good deals over at Sport Optics. Um, and if I wasn't working with Brownells, I'd probably be shopping a lot more through Sport Optics. Um, but, it, you know, let let's kind of put that out there. Like, do you, you guys have red dot sales too and stuff like that for the non hunters in the group who are probably going to listen to this podcast and go, Oh, yay. Talk to cool cool folks. Yeah. yeah. You know, you guys are always running stuff. I know you still have that 18% off aim point thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, we certainly have a little bit of something for everybody. I'm still doing some pretty darn good deals on aim points right now. I'm doing the best I can on, on EOTEX as well. So, um, LPVOs for any of my AR guys, like Malar said, my, my tactical guys, um, I'm, I'm, I either have a sale on it or, you know, like we've talked about before, some companies can be a little, a little picky about what can be advertised. If you're, if you're not, uh, you know, if you're not seeing something, you know, on a, on a, on a sale or on, on, you know, anything you might be kind of wondering about price wise, give, give me a call, shoot me a DM. Also, um, I see it on your site here. It's finally fall savings. It says for limited time, save 13% on any regularly priced optic. So you can save some dough, even if the optic you're looking at isn't on sale. Is that what I'm seeing? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that, that code's working on a, uh, on a good bit of stuff right now. And then there are, you know, some, some brands that are excluded. And then if, if, if you're trying to use it on a, on a, on something and it's not working for whatever reason, reach out to me and I'll, um, I'll, I'll get you taken care of. Jace, as always, it was a pleasure to talk to you. I'm sorry that we couldn't get to more. Uh, my wife is telling me that it's time to go get dessert. So that's what I'm going to go do. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, man, it was amazing. Millar, do you have any other thing you want to touch on? Uh, no, I think we covered it. I mean, we covered a ton. I, I uh, like I said, I'm kind of excited to, uh, to kind of loop back and see what else we can cover and um, hopefully have him on after maybe uh, bags his first year of the season. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> Gotta let us know more about the, uh, the hunt. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I, one fun, fun thing. My, my uh, fiance just got her mount back from ooh, like two seasons ago. She, she killed a, a massive one. It was only a, a five point, but it was giant. And we just got it back a few weeks ago. I should have had it like, right here sitting behind me but it 
And uh, you just and, have her held it, hold it right yeah. there, you know? <laughs> yeah, the yeah, whole so, time. Uh, this whole time we were on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> so now, I, now I keep telling her. Um, now I keep telling her it's my turn to kill a wall hanger because the last couple seasons I haven't got anything that's uh, you know wor- worth the investment to get uh, to get mounted. But I'm I'm, I'm hopeful for this year. <laughs> well, then you got a lot of snow, man. Because I I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to see pictures and all that fun. You gotta you gotta make like a YouTube thing for your for your hunt dude i really do man i it's something i've been toying for lit- literal years and i know we touched about it talked about it a little bit before i really need to just bite the bullet and do it yeah man get yourself a good good camera i mean you've got an iphone so that's already got a pretty decent camera so yeah yeah i, I would i would definitely go from there because that's kind of how i do all my youtube videos is iphone and a gimbal so <laughs> so all right well thank you so much jace it was amazing to talk to you and i can't wait to have you on again Malar, do you want to send us out? Uh, Run suppressed. Stay blessed. As I always say, shoot him in the face.